Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the Watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. Anybody here today that believes God's not done with His church? Amen? I know it's 2020, and the future is a little uncertain, and every year we... we take a Sunday, we take a period of time, sometimes it's been dinners, sometimes it's been a night during the week to talk about the vision of where we're going, vision 2020, your vision 2021. And this year was a challenge because it's very hard to see something so far ahead of you when you're blinded by what's in front of you. It's, It's hard to believe God for more when you feel limited by what's right in front of you, right? When you're experiencing less. But I, I'm just crazy enough to believe that, that God's not done with his church and that what he promised in his word is actually going to come to fruition and that he's got a group of people here maybe that are filled with faith enough to believe God's going to use us to see some amazing things happen in the days ahead. That what we've experienced so far is just a foundation. It's not a ceiling. It's the foundation for what God wants to do. So I'm going to pray, ask you to join with me as I open up God's word. Would you just agree with me in prayer? By lifting your hands this way. Father, we thank you for these songs that we sing. I pray, God, this morning you would make us a people that believe these words, that they would be etched in our hearts, God, that that we would live them out, that we would know that you're a God who's not done, who's not finished, but who chooses to use us to see your mission accomplished. So God, bring us to the place this morning where our faith is increased and we're willing to follow wherever you may lead. It's in Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and take your seats. Y'all help me praise it. Thank this worship team this morning for leading us. You may not know this, but they're pretty much all volunteers. And uh, they practice on their own and come up here during the week. Everyone in production and that are putting these services out online as well. Uh, We have an incredible team, both staff and volunteers here. um, And we could not do it without the team that puts these services together. So I never want to take that for granted because uh, I've, I've worked in a church before. My first church, some of y'all know this, I've shared the story. Um, when I was a youth pastor, started a youth service on a Wednesday night in Gaffney. I set the chairs up. I ran the PowerPoint. I led the worship. I preached. I closed the night in worship. And then I made all the banana splits for the kids afterwards. I did everything. I was a jack of all trades, a little Swiss army knife. You go, how did you lead where I put a CD in and I used to sing along with the CD to lead the kids in worship. You fake it till you make it. All right. So, uh, I don't take for granted that we have an incredible team here. And, uh, what I want to do today is, is talk for a few minutes about above and beyond. Now I know that some of you here have been here since day one in the life of awakened church. Uh, some of you, this is your, this is your day one in the life of the church. So I realize there's uh, a spectrum of education that needs to be delivered. And what I want you to hear me say this is every year we do a vision um, emphasis. Several years ago, it was take the land. That was our initiative. Uh, we saw the church rallied around, raise money, $250,000 in a period of a few months to get us into this space. Uh, the next year 
we did the multiply initiative. Multiply initiative was so we could multiply our church out to Somerville, plan a campus in Somerville. Uh, it was the seed money to both staff and provide resources for that campus. Um, we've done this. Last year, it was above and beyond, uh, where our initiatives were to get the Somerville campus into their own space, uh, to launch a downtown campus, um, also a residency to get uh, ministry residents through here that we could bring on staff and develop to become full-time staff. Now, I do want to say this. While 2020 has definitely been um, a year where advancing has been difficult, I do want to celebrate some of what we as a church have witnessed God do here over 2020. I think sometimes we can go, ah, it's just been a weird year, had to consolidate campuses back, attendance has been down, and this is what I want you to hear me say. We saw in 2020, uh, not only did we see people get saved, but we saw, I don't even know the number of baptisms come through this water. We realized that God can save people through the internet, amen? Um, (laughs) That it's not just restricted to this room. We saw ministry residents like Zoe. Y'all know who Zoe is, right? She's the one that stands here and sings like an angel. Uh, Zoe came through our residency and now is on staff full time. Praise God. Uh, Haley Alexander, a lot of y'all know Haley that works uh, with groups and teams. Haley was our ministry resident. She's now on our staff full time. Uh, Matthew Hazel, who leads our youth, was a ministry resident, is now on staff full time. This was part of the vision coming to life. Our A Kids space as a part of Above and Beyond 2020 got completed construction wise and we're starting to see it fill up with kids again. And so I want you to understand, God, just because the world shut down during COVID, God's work doesn't stop, and his church doesn't stop, and it's not going to stop. And in the midst of a bunch of uncertainty right now of we don't know what the winter's going to look like, and we don't know what 2021 is going to look like, I just want to share with you that I believe God's got great plans ahead for us. And you're going to see, uh, you're going to get some cards on the way out where you can go to the website, uh, wakenchurch.cc slash above and beyond, and hear about some of those initiatives. But I don't want to talk in detail about them right now. And the reason why is I feel like I could preach on these different initiatives and lay out all these bullet points. But if we as a people don't have faith big enough to believe for what God can do, then they're just bullet points on a sheet of paper. It doesn't matter. We've got to have a faith that actually responds and goes, I believe God's not done yet. And I believe that he responds to the faith that I have. That's what I want to teach you on. I want to preach to your faith a little bit because I think sometimes we've been led to believe, and maybe you're in this seat, that faith was a decision that you made or a prayer that you prayed so you could get baptized and sit on the back row in church somewhere. That's the start, but that's definitely not the end. And for every believer in the house, every believer listening online, the goal is that we would grow in faith in our relationship with God and that everything we've seen only helps substantiate and strengthen our faith for what's ahead. That's how the Bible is written, and I'm going to break it down for you in just a moment. As I was praying through what to preach, my mind went to Ephesians 3.20, and I want to read this passage and then explain where it comes from. This is the passage that frames above and beyond for us, where Paul writes, Now all glory to God, who is able, through his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we ask or think, infinitely more That's our way of saying above and beyond, right? So just substitute in there. Now, all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us, which by the way, we have a role to play in this. Would y'all agree? Yeah, it's not just, uh, we don't just sit back and go, oh, God's going to do it. Let's just wait on God. No, no, no. He's depending on us to do something. Our faith is an integral part of him responding and moving in this world. 
If we somehow think we just get to sit on the sidelines and wait for God to do something, y'all, he requires a lot of us, his people, at work within us to accomplish above and beyond anything we may ask or think. Now, glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Sermon title is Believing, Believing Above and Beyond. Believing Above and Beyond. Because belief is an incredibly powerful thing. Belief is an incredibly powerful thing. Some people call it hope, right? Like hope is one of the most powerful uh, emotions in human nature. If you don't have hope, you can just go ahead and hang it up. Belief, the Bible calls it faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. That's how the Bible describes faith. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. This past week, I was talking to a a good friend of mine. His name's Richie. And Richie's up in Washington. Their church has had to close back down. And he sent me a video. And it was, it was pretty alarming uh, for me. Because for those that don't know, I'm a pastor. And, and, and eight years ago, I was a part of a team that helped start this church. And I love this church. And this has been a challenging year for sure. Um, but I, I got this video from Richie. And it was uh, shot at a, at a conference, Q Ideas conference up in Nashville, Tennessee. And one of the statistics that was shared at this conference was that uh, of, of, I think it was Barna or Pew Research poll, showed that 70%, 70% of pastors are currently looking for other jobs. 70%. It also talked about 33%. 33% is the average amount of attendance that's returned to church in the places that churches can start meeting again. And this is not to villainize anyone watching online by any means, because every single week, someone new is coming back um, that has been watching online, and we're grateful for those means. But what I want us to understand this morning is the state of the church, capital C Church, uh, in America, and I'm not going to speak globally, but in America, is afraid. There's a lot of people afraid. Hey, is the church going to be the same? Will the church come back? Like, you have pastors that are walking out because they, they don't know what the future of the church looks like. Meanwhile, I'm over here and I'm praying my tail off about 2021, and, I, and I'm more resolved than ever. Like, this is exactly where I need to be. God, I don't know what it's going to look like next year, but I'm in. Like, I'm, I'm in, and, and I want to be, I still want the, my wheels, you know, I still want to be holding the wheel of the ship. Like, I believe God's got great things ahead for his church, and I want to be here to see it happen. So how do you contend, how do you... How do you embrace something like Paul writes where I believe can, God can do above and beyond what I can ask or think, but what's right in front of me looks pretty daunting. You, you see the discrepancy? It's easy to believe God for great things when everything's great. The difficulty of faith, how do I believe when I'm struggling? How do I believe when I can't see next month or three months down the road? How can I believe when I don't have the job or I don't have the kid or my kid is rebelling or how do I believe when I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills next month? These are the questions that are coming into people's minds. And when it comes to spiritually, this is what I want you to realize. The future belongs to people who have faith. The future belongs to people who are willing to have faith and not a faith that's just talk, but a faith that walks. It's not enough to just say it. It's not enough to just talk about it. And what we see in scripture is that people who had faith James, the brother of Jesus, says, you show me your faith, I'll show you my works, because faith without works is dead. So if you're going to have faith, it's going to require something of you. Now, Paul, he writes that in Ephesians 3, 
And I think we would do well to understand the context of this passage. Because oftentimes we can take one verse out of context and hang it on a wall. We can buy the crack at the, not the crack, <laughs> the plaque at Cracker Barrel. Don't, don't go buying crack, people, okay? Mess that one up. Young people, pay attention, okay? You can buy the plaque, the plaque at Cracker Barrel and hang it on the wall, you know? God is able to do immeasurably more than anything we can ask or imagine. And it can sound like this phrase out of like Star Trek or a Disney movie. And we go, yeah, that's good. That's good. And we can forget that where it was actually written, Paul's saying, you got to believe for more. But what he was experiencing was something incredibly less. See, Paul was in a very difficult spot when he wrote Ephesians 3. I want to read the context, the whole passage in its entirety, and then explain what's going on. Paul tells the church at Ephesus, this is a church that he worked with, a church that he loved, that he spent three years of his life with. Could you imagine giving three years of your life to a group of people called the church in a city that was incredibly hostile, incredibly affluent? In the midst of face of persecution, Paul taught the scriptures and he loved these people and he helped plant this church. And after three years, he gave it to a young mentor of his named Timothy. And he tells Timothy, you're now the pastor of this church. I've got to continue on and continue advancing the mission. And so Paul goes to another city. And the church at Ephesus begins to grow under the ministry of this guy named Timothy. And then Paul goes, and as he's on his mission journey, he gets arrested. Paul gets thrown in prison in Rome, this incredibly oppressive government. And Paul is sitting in prison in Rome, and he starts to hear reports about the church in Ephesus that he gave his life to. And this church in Ephesus was large, it was healthy, it was influential, but they began listening to false teachers. They began struggling and there were the, the Christians were being arrested and house churches were being knocked in. And, and so what happened is because they were afraid of persecution and they were afraid of the government, they were afraid of seeing their leaders like Paul arrested. They started falling away in their commitment. They weren't as bought in. They started chasing other initiatives, listening to other teachers. Paul gets word of this in prison and Paul writes to them. And I believe the words that he says to them are words that we can apply today. Because I look at a church today that's fearful, like I already described. That's waning in its commitment. That's trying to hold on to its resources. Not sure if they want to be fully bought in. This is what Paul says. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart. If you can hear one thing that I would say today, for those of you that are in Christ, don't lose heart. No matter what this world throws at you, do not lose heart. The the modern way to say that is don't lose courage or don't be discouraged. Discouragement will destroy you. And you go, how do I fight discouragement? Here it is. Don't lose heart because of my trials here, Paul says. I'm suffering for you, so you should feel honored. But when I think of all this, verse 14, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. And your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as God's people should how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life 
and the power that comes from God. Can you imagine sitting in a jail cell, most probably chained to a Roman guard, writing words like this? Now, I know life is tough for some in this room and some watching online, but it probably isn't like that. You're probably not locked up in a dungeon next to somebody you don't know, but you're writing a letter going, man, the love of Christ is so big, it's so vast, it's so wide, it's so high, it's so deep. I wish you would understand how much... That's what Paul's saying to the believers at the church at Ephesus. How can he embrace that kind of faith in the midst of so many trials? Here's what I want to submit to you. Everything in this book, everything that we've experienced in this church or that you've experienced that God's done in your life is meant to increase and build your faith for what's to come. We can sing hallelujah and we can sing praises for what's happened, but when we start looking back with more anticipation than how we look ahead, we have a problem. And I just believe that we're not going to be a has-been church that looks back at some glory days, but that we go, no, we're going to stay on the advance for what God wants to do moving forward. And that everything we have in front of us right now, I mean, when I, when I think, when I hear these stories of other churches and other pastors, I'm so grateful for you guys. I'm so grateful for this church. I'm grateful for the commitment. I'm grateful for being, for how bought in you are into small groups, into mission projects and love my city and your giving and worshiping together. Like, thank you so much. Yes, I get to lead this church, but also I'm a part of this church. My family is a part of this church and y'all are family to me. And so when I think about what we get to do together, I'm just reminded that our days ahead are very bright. And I do believe that our best days are ahead of us and not behind. But, and I have to add this caveat, we can't just be people that talk about it. We have to act on it. And in scripture, what it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six, is that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And if we're gonna please God, that means we have to be people of faith. And our faith always has actions attached to it. Always has actions attached to it. If you got your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 11 real quick. Hebrews chapter 11, because I'm going to camp out here for just a moment. Um, Most scholars, or a lot of scholars will agree that Paul wrote the book of Hebrews. We don't know for sure. I believe that he did, uh, or at least he and a collection of writers. But what we do know is that in Hebrews 11, we have an account of all these uh, figures in the Old Testament that were people of faith. In other words, whoever wrote Hebrews found it important enough for us to hear the stories of people of old, people in the Old Testament that acted in faith. They didn't just talk about it, but acted in faith. When I bring it to to current context, here's what I mean. Everybody in this room knows somebody who will claim to be a Christian. But everybody in this room knows somebody who acts like a Christian. Y'all follow the difference? Uh, you, You might have that family member that goes, oh yeah, they... They go to church. I I think they're a Christian. I think they go to church. And then you got that one family member. You're like, no, that person loves Jesus. Like they're generous. They're forgiving. They're loving. They they don't miss church. You know, you, you, you know the difference. And what I'm saying is when we look at Hebrews 11, essentially the writer of Hebrews goes, look, there's a lot of people through the years who have talked about faith. These are the ones that acted on it. And I want to roll through this list because, again, preaching to our faith this morning, you may be sitting under the sound of my voice. And faith has been something that you prayed, but you never acted on. 
I want you to hear this because this journey of the people of God through the Old Testament, they preach to us. Because I believe one day that, I believe one day we're going to look back and go, where was the church in 2020? Think about it for your kids, grandkids, great-grandkids. What did you do during the pandemic? How did you help build the church or rebuild the church? I'm not talking about just awaken, but how did you help rebuild the church after the church didn't meet for six months or nine months? Where were you when this big dip in church attendance took place? Listen, we've yet to run the data graphs, but 10 years from now, there will be a data graph that shows church attendance went through the floor. Will it come back? Is there a revival on the way? I don't know, but I know God's still working. I'm just saying each one of us have a part in this. Where were we when this rebuild took place and where was our faith to make it happen? This is what we find in Hebrews chapter 11, verse three. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. Verse four, it was by faith that Abel brought a more acceptable offering to God than Cain did. What did he do? He brought an offering. He had to do something. He brought something better than his brother. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. Here's a man who was uh, a forerunner to Noah. The whole world was just corrupt. God says, I'm going to destroy humanity, right? And we know the story. He told Noah, Noah, go build a boat, the big old boat, put your family in and all the animals in, and I'm going to save you from it. Before Noah, there was this man, Enoch, who was faithful and he loved God. So much so that God looks down and goes, look, I like Enoch so much. I'm just going to bring him home now. He didn't have to die. Pretty amazing. Verse seven, it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. Y'all realize when God said, Noah, look, go build an ark. I'm going to flood the earth. It had never rained before. Noah's out there cutting trees down, putting boards together, making a boat larger than anybody had ever seen before because he believed God and his faith was accompanied with actions. It took work for, for, you realize if he didn't build the boat, he would have drowned. And everybody's looking at Noah going, this man's crazy. This man is absolutely nuts. He's building a big old boat. I've just learned that oftentimes when you act in faith, people that don't know the same God will call you crazy. They'll say you're insane. You're doing what? It's kind of like above and beyond for next year. You know, Somerville campus right now, everybody's pulling back resources. Everybody's consolidating. The thought of expansion is the most foolish thing possible. We're going to send Somerville back out next year. We're going to get them a campus in Somerville, and it's going to happen in January. And I'm, I'm excited about it. Now, church consultants, some people go, look, that's not wise. You probably shouldn't do that. You need to count your numbers, consider finances. I know all that stuff, and we know all that stuff as a team. But we also know when God says go, we're going to go. So we're going to put it back out there. And, and we have to believe as people of faith, look, if we act, God will follow. When I think about this building, if I can just be really personal, you saw the take the land. Y'all, the take the land campaign, the lease on this property was signed before we had the money to get into this property. That doesn't mean a lot now because you look around, you're like, oh, there's a lot of people here and it's a big church and whatever you want to call it. But back then we were two years old. We had about 200,000 in receipts. So for a company to go, yeah, we trust you to pay the lease. That was crazy. But I know if I didn't sign the lease, we'd miss out on the opportunity. So I signed it anyway. And then we met with our leaders and we're like, hey, by the way, we got to raise a quarter million. Y'all good? <laughs> and they did. They did. Faith first, then action. But it requires something of us. And I know that seems a little crazy. But like I said, when you act in faith, people that don't understand, they'll call you crazy. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. 
Abraham, who was not able to have kids, had not, he didn't even have a son. God says, look, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. So pack up your house and start walking. I'll show you where to go. Abraham, what did he have to do in faith? He had to pack up the boxes, grab the suitcases and start walking. And God took him to the land that he gave him. He took him to the land that he promised. In verse 11, it was by faith that even Sarah, that was his wife, was able to have a child, though she was barren and she was too old. Sarah was way too old to have kids. And so when she finally got pregnant, God allowed her to have a kid. uh, She laughed. That's why she named her son Isaac. The name Isaac literally means son of laughter. Like God did something so crazy in Sarah's life. She's like, man, this is nuts. That's what God does. He gave her a child, even though everyone said that she couldn't have one. Verse 17, it was by faith that Abraham offered that same son Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham took his son, put him on the altar. Why? God was saying, look, I don't want you to fall more in love with what I gave you than who I am. And so I'm going to test you. And so that gift of a son that I gave you, I'm going to see if you're willing to put him on the altar if I ask you to. And Abraham did. He put his son up on the altar. That's when God provided a ram. Abraham didn't sit back. God, please don't, please don't, please don't. Abraham just did exactly what God said to do. And then God provided. That's how faith works. Verse 20, it was by faith that Isaac promised blessings for the future to his sons, Jacob and Esau. And it was by faith that Jacob, when he was old and dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and bowed in worship as he leaned on his staff. It was by faith that Joseph, when he was about to die, said confidently that the people of Israel would leave Egypt. What's happening here? These are men of God looking and saying, God's not done with us yet. There was so much against them at the time. We think about slavery in Egypt. The Israelites are multiplying in number. And Joseph looks at him and says, look, you're going to get out of here. You're not going to be here forever. There's better days ahead. There's a promise on the way. You've got to believe it now, even though you can't see it. That's what faith is. We can't just wait for something good to happen and then latch on to it. We have to believe it before we can see it. Verse 23, it was by faith that Moses' parents hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given him an unusual child and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. And it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What's happening here? Moses' parents were under the decree of a king. The king said, I want all the the boys killed. I want all the young sons killed. And his parents said, no, we listen to a higher order. We're not going to follow the king's commands. And they hid Moses in a basket. Moses was found by the Pharaoh's daughter. But even as he grew up in her house, he knew his identity was not as Pharaoh's kid. He knew who he was. And God would use that moving forward. In verse 27, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. And it was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn son. Moses goes back to to Egypt and he speaks to the Pharaoh and he says, look, those of you that have faith in God, this is what you must do. Take the blood of a lamb and rub it on your doorpost because tonight the angel of death is passing over your land. And if you don't act in faith and cover your door, your son will surely die. And so those who believed in God had faith in God. They acted on that faith and it led to the salvation of their kids and their families. I gotta, you gotta see there's always action that accompanies our faith. Verse 29, it was by faith that the people of Israel, when they went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground, but when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. We sing about it. We sing about the, the parting of the Red Sea when the, 
the, the Israelites, they got delivered out of Egypt and they're standing on the banks of the Red Sea and God says, walk. And they're going, look, there's too much water. We can't walk. And God split it and they started walking in faith. They had to trust those waters were going to stay parted and they'd get to the other side. If they didn't, they would have been brought back into captivity and slavery. It was in faith that they walked through those waters. Yes, God provided, but they had to walk. There was something required of them. Verse 30, it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days, and then the walls came crashing down. They had to walk. God said walk, and they had to walk. They walked and looked stupid because the walls were still up. Inside Jericho, you had an army waiting to fight them. But outside, you had people walking around, and then they blow trumpets, and the walls crash down. Verse 31, it was by faith that Rahab, the prostitute, was not destroyed with the people in her city who refused to obey God, for she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. It was because of what she did that God showed her favor. God responds to our faith. If you somehow have read this book and think, all I got to do is pray a prayer. You are selling yourself short of what God wants to do in and through your life. There is so much more, but we have to believe it. We have to ask in faith, believe in faith, and then act in faith. So what does that mean for us today? Here's what it means. If you come to this church, which obviously you're here today, I don't know if you've made this your church home, but the leadership here, we, we take the instruction to be people of faith very seriously. And we believe that we, uh, we have to act in obedience and that the blessings of God will follow that obedience. We've seen it happen over the last seven and a half years. We know it's going to happen over the next seven and a half years. And I'm inviting you to be a part of that journey. There's no initiative I can put up here that's uh, fancy enough. There's nothing I can bullet point out and go, hey, you can't, don't, don't miss this. Like, you got to be a part of this. Our mission and our vision has stayed the same. We exist to see people far from God uh, be awakened to life in Christ. We believe in the mission to gather for worship, to grow in faith through relationships, to give our talent, talent, and treasure, and to constantly go after our one. And we believe that we're making disciples, and as we make disciples, God will build his church. Amen? That's the method, and the method is not going to change. Here's what it requires of us moving forward as we look at 2021. I already told you we're going to get the Somerville campus launched back out. It's an incredible core leadership of the Somerville campus under the guidance and direction of campus pastor Stephen Lodeholt and his wife Rachel. We're going to launch them back out into Somerville. You go where? We're figuring that out. You go when? It's going to be January. Who's going to go? I'm asking for some of y'all that have maybe gotten comfortable in here to step out and be uncomfortable again. Um, This room, we're going to fill this room up at least two times over again. We're going to be looking for another place to launch another campus because we're never going to get stagnant. And listen to me. I know you're like, well, wait a minute. You just said 33% of the church is coming back. COVID's not really gone away. How's that going to happen? We believe in faith that's going to take place. And we're going to keep on coming and we're going to follow whatever protocols we need to to continue filling this room up because that's what uh, is, is making it happen now. And so you go, well, well, is the goal just to get this service full twice over again? That's never been the goal. The goal is to see as many people as possible reach and come into relationship with Jesus. As we do that, the room's going to fill up. The room's going to fill up. And as it fills up, we're going to send people out. So some of y'all are like, hey, man, like we like being here. We may be calling you next year to leave and go somewhere else. Uh, last year, part of our uh, 2020 vision was to take mission trips uh, in partnership with Mission of Hope Haiti to go down to Haiti. Uh, and also go to Guatemala. Obviously, the world stopped, so we couldn't travel anywhere. But this year, uh, we're going to go to Haiti, and we're going to go to Guatemala, 
That's going to require some of you taking a week off of work, uh, finding a way to go. And what we're praying through right now, this is not definite, but what we're praying through right now is instead of just going to these two places and, and providing mission trips, we're praying through wanting to see an actual church planted in Guatemala and a church planted in Haiti. We talk about putting a seed in the ground and letting roots grow and bearing fruit. Like we would love to see churches planted in those two places that we can go see every year and that we can resource and build up as the global church and two international churches as opposed to just one here in Charleston. And then as far as our youth, you know, I, 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 there's a Avery Willis. Um, he's an old Bible teacher, wrote Master Life. And one of the things that Avery Willis says is you need to find out where God's working and join him there. Like keep your spiritual eyes open and, and wherever God's working, join him there. And one of the cool things that's happened during COVID is that our youth ministry has actually grown during COVID. I don't know if the kids are just tired of being at home and needed something to do, but uh, we celebrate the fact that teenagers are coming to know Jesus and coming to his church. And so one of the things that we want to do here at Awaken is remove any obstacle or barrier from that continuing to happen. And this year they weren't able to go to camp. They weren't able to go to mission trips, anything like that. But as we look ahead to 2021, I don't want finances to be a reason that these kids can't go to camp. And so I just believe that through our generosity, giving above and beyond, we can provide sponsorships to all these kids to go to camp next summer and any friend that they want to bring. Uh, Because I just believe we've got to support that generation, both now and the one to come. So we have an opportunity to partner up with Matt Hazel and his, his leaders to do that for 2021. And this is what I'm asking you to do as a church and those of you watching online. When you leave today, you're going to get a card. It says above and beyond. It's really simple. We're not doing dinners, vision dinners. It's a card. And on the back is a, a website. It's awakenchurch.cc slash above and beyond. I'm inviting you today, tonight, when you go home, maybe it's in your car before you get out and have lunch today, check out some of the videos on that site. Get linked out to some of our partners. See what God's doing. And then ask the question, how can you give above what you normally would give so that the church can go beyond where we normally would go? It may be $25 a month for the next 12 months. It may be $1,000 a month for the next 12 months. It may be a year-end gift that God puts on your heart. I want to give this to the church. I want to give this to above and beyond. Whatever God leads you and your family to do, I'm encouraging you to do that. And that's between you and him. That's a generous gift above and beyond any tithe, any offering. That's between you and the Lord. But I just believe that our finances always, they always follow our faith. I want to close with this as I wrap up today. There's a story, there's so many stories in the Gospels where people had to to fight for faith and God responded. Like one that comes to mind is, is Jesus is moving from one town to the next. He's actually... On assignment, he's going to heal somebody at their house. And as he's walking through the crowd, we're told that there's hundreds gathered. And y'all, there was needs all around Jesus. Like we're, we're told in the gospels that people would bring those who are hurting, bring those who need healing, bring those who are demon possessed, bring those you know who are hungry. They would just drag them to Jesus because he, he could meet all the needs. But what's crazy is Jesus didn't just meet every need. Think about it. As he's walking through the crowd, This one woman reaches out and takes hold of him, grabs his cloak. And immediately Jesus turns around and says, who touched me? Who touched me? And it's this woman that's holding on to his his shirt. She's had this medical issue where she's been bleeding for 12 years. No doctors could fix it. No person could fix it. Jesus looks at her and says, 
it was you. Woman, your faith has healed you. Your faith has healed. tells me she reached out and grabbed hold with something different than what everybody else had. In other words, Jesus is not just looking for your needs to meet. Yes, God meets your needs, but he also responds in a special way to people that reach out in faith. Cue the story where uh, the, the friends, they got their three guys, they got a paralyzed friend. They're like, hey, we heard Jesus is preaching in a house. And what do they do? They go get their friend and they put him on this you know, makeshift cart and they carry their friend to the house and they go up on the roof and they rip the roof apart and they lower their friend in. What happens? It's the middle of a church service. It was disruptive. I'm sure there's some deacons sitting there on the front row being like, these crazy teenagers, what are they thinking right now? But what happens? Jesus looks and goes, hey, get up, get up. The friends, the faith of your friends has healed you. The faith of your friends has healed you. Jesus responds to their faith. There's a Roman centurion. A Roman soldier comes to Jesus, says, hey, my servant needs healing. And what does Jesus say? We're told Jesus was in awe. He was, what? Like, not even Israel. This man has more faith than anybody in Israel. Because he asked for something without even seeing it happen. He tells Jesus, you don't even come to my house. Just say it and she'll be healed. That's the kind of faith I believe that pleases the heart of God. And that's the kind of faith that Jesus responds to. So as you think about, as you think about where you are at this point in your life and what you want to see God do for you and in the church moving forward, I'm asking you to go home, seriously engage in some prayer and think about how you might give towards seeing those things happen. Amen.